It is Rosh Chodesh Mar Chesh and Tavshim Pei Gimel, the very first, the month of Mar Chesh in 5783. Here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, we're here at Inyana Diyomi in the very last daf of Mesechus Ksuvis, which is Ksuvis Daf Kufiyud Bey, 112 in Ksuvis. We have a quote taken right out of this week's parasha, which is Parshas Noach. The discussion is a continuing discussion, an extended agada to the non legal homiletical portion of the Gemara, which had been discussing various aspects of Eretz Yisrael. In the previous Inyana Diyomi, we learned. Um, a piece from Kufir Alfink Subis, which had been talking about Bavel and the contrast between Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. Now we're continuing that discussion with a focus on a different part of Eretz Yisrael, particularly Chevron. But really, we're looking and zeroing in on Canaan and the difference between Canaan and the land of Tsoan, which is in Mitzrayim. The Gemara um, makes reference to the four sons of Cham, and among them we have. Canaan and Mitzrayim. And Canaan and Mitzrayim were not just countries, but they were also people. And they were the sons of Canaan, whom we meet for the first time in this week's parasha. We find in Bereshah's Perak Yud, Pasuk Vav, 10.6, the Chumash lists the four sons of Cham, who are Cush, Mitzrayim, Fut, and Canaan. And the Gemara had been discussing an issue um, with, regarding, uh, with regards to the Meraglim when they traveled to Chevron. And the Pasuk in Parsha Shalach suggests that Chevron Eretz Canaan was built seven years before Tsoan, and Tsoan, which was built in the land of Mitzrayim. Now, the problem is the Gemara doesn't see how that can be true, considering that Tsoan um, was from Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim was older than Canaan. If you look at the order as they're listed in Bereshis, Mitzrayim is second, and Canaan is number four. And if that's the case, there's no way that Canaan, any part of Canaan, would have been built before Mitzrayim. So the Gemara suggests instead that when it says seven years earlier, what it really means is that it's seven times greater. And of course, when we consider Canaan and Mitzrayim, not just as countries, but as people, and it kind of makes us wonder just a little bit, who exactly were these individuals? And the truth is, the very first time we meet Canaan, it's before this Pasuk, it's earlier in the Parsha, in Parak Tess, when we learn about the dubious sin of Canaan. The story um, is, in its own right, a very vague story about a sin committed primarily, it seems, by Cham, but Canaan gets cursed as a result. The story of Noah, who got intoxicated in his tent, and it's unclear what exactly Cham did. The Pasuk says he saw and told his brothers, and it seems that he just didn't care to cover the nakedness of his father. But of course, Chazal say that Cham committed very extreme acts and that perhaps Canaan was involved in it, helping him as well. Rashi tells us that what did Canaan do? Canaan was the one who saw first, then he told Cham, and then Cham told his brothers, hey, look at our father. And without getting into the really graphic suggestions of what Chazal say, what we have to try to figure out is Canaan's involvement in all of this. What exactly was the sin of Canaan? What exactly did Canaan do? The Chumash goes out of its way to tell us that the people who came out of the Teva were Noach, Shem, Cham, and Yafes. Then it tells us, and Cham was the father of Canaan, as if this is something that we should know at this time. And then it says, Cham, the father of Canaan, was the one that saw Noach. So why does it keep on saying, Cham, the father of Canaan, why do we need to hear this so many times? So we'll come back to that question. But first, let's try to just get a better understanding of the family tree of Cham. So we said his four sons are Cush, Mitzrayim, Fut, and Canaan. So the question is, um, when it comes to the actual age, so the Ibn Ezra explains that indeed, Canaan was the youngest, and 
he was um, he was also wicked, which is why um, when the pasuk refers to Beno Hakatan, right? The pasuk says that um, uh, Noach saw what Beno Hakatan had done, his his small son. So who is the small son? Who's the young son? So Ibn Ezra says it's actually a reference to Canaan. He's being referred to as as Beno Hakatan. And it's referring to him because he's the younger one. However, the Ramban says that really Canaan was actually the Bechor. And this perhaps goes against the Gemara, which seems to suggest that Mitzrayim was older than Canaan. But Ramban says that at least Alpip Shah, Canaan was the Bechor, and he was the only child alive to Cham during this story. The rest of Cham's children were not yet born. And the, and the reason why the Chumash lists them, Kush Mitzrayim, Fut Canaan, that Canaan is number four, is because he was demoted after being cursed for being involved in this particular sin. So that's why he's listed as number four, even though he was really the oldest. Now, what exactly um, um, it, it was so deplorable about Canaan himself? Interestingly enough, Chizkuni and Malbim suggest that Canaan was actually conceived on the Teva. And this really speaks to why he's morally depraved, because relations, we know from Chazal, were forbidden on the Teva, but Cham apparently could not help himself. And this was considered an Avera, at least on his level, and that was, it was considered to be inappropriate. And maybe that would suggest that Canaan himself... Um, there's a little bit within his genetics something that he would have had to work against anyway, an obstacle, a spiritual obstacle, and in this case it was because he was on such a level um, that um, he, he was conceived in such a, an unfortunate circumstance. The Nitziv explains that the Chumash goes out of its way to highlight Canaan's involvement in the story to explain why Canaan in the future, Avadim Canaanim, why they would be um, worthy of any kind of, 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 of servitude, that they would be worthy of Avdus. Now, it's interesting to know, and um, the, Rav Hirsch points this out as well, if you consider Canaan and Mitzrayim as they relate to the Bnei Yisrael, right? we know that the Pasuk in Vayikra, Yudches Gimel, um, 18.3, which is an Achim, Moses says, Kema'asei Eretz Mitzrayim, like the actions of the land of Mitzrayim, Asher Yishavtem Ba, Lo Sasu, don't copy them, Uchemasei Eretz Canaan, Asher Nimiviyas Chem Shama, and the, like the actions of the land of Canaan, which I'm bringing you there, Lo Sasu, don't do like them of don't copy their chukim. We find these two lands, the land that that uh, the Bnei Israel found themselves in, and that they would find themselves in Mitzrayim and Canaan. They're both considerably morally depraved. Um, interestingly enough, um, the, the Chizkuni mentions here similarly that Eretz Mitzrayim and and Canaan they are in a certain sense equated because both of them are negative. They both have um, uh, um, deplorable cultures. And the Chizkuni explains that the only reason why Canaan was able to stand longer than Egypt, why um, they, they had 47 years, so the Canaanites were granted to live on their land 47 years longer than it took for Hashem to punish Mitzrayim, and this was because, specifically, they had the merit of having Avraham buried among them, that Avraham was in the Maras HaMachpelah. That's, that's well, I mean, he quotes that from the Sifra. Rav Hirsch explains that when the Chumash goes out of its way to highlight that Canaan, um, um, his name is in this story, that Chum is the father of Canaan, it's trying to tell us, the Israel, the audience, who already know who Canaan is and what Canaan is all about, where it all started. It all started with the actions of Chum and Canaan in this particular story. Chum demonstrated himself to be the true father of the Canaan as we know it, the spiritually um, debased, um, um, you know, nation. And Rav Hirsch explains that 
um, he, he differentiates between Mitzrayim and Canaan, explaining that there was um, that the Klal in these two uh, nations of Ham, they were they saw in Egypt social. Um, degeneration, and in Canaan they saw moral degeneration. Not quite sure what the difference between those is, social and moral, but it sounds like in a certain sense, the maybe you can argue the Ben Adam Lachavero in Egypt was very poor, and I guess the Ben Adam Lamakom in Canaan um, was very poor. Um, I didn't think um, in either of those two lands the Ben Adam Lachavero or Ben Adam Lamakom were Particularly strong, but it sounds like from Hirsch, these are this is where, that's where the emphasis is. But the point is that you could see right here in our story, regardless of who was older, regardless of of, of um, who um, which land is considered to be greater, um, we find these two lands, Canaan and Mitzrayim, are two lands that we cannot copy. Both of them happen to be the sons of Ham, and it all started in this week's parsha. Perhaps. One little tidbit that we can add in terms of the concept of the curse of being an Eved. So it seems that from the, the Nitziv that we mentioned earlier, the very um, idea that these people were worthy of Avdus. We don't think of Avdus now, nowadays, today, in contemporary times. We don't think of Avdus as being something that's positive. But it seems like perhaps in a certain sense it's a necessary, if we can call it an evil, that is required for certain nations, for certain people um, who are spiritually on a lower level, whether it's because of their moral, um, their moral sense or, or otherwise, it's our job, not just uh, not a matter of subjugation, but of being the light unto these other nations to, to shine the way for them. And we should be Zoha to be that source of inspiration, um, to take that in stride and do what we're supposed to do. Ezra Hashem. Thank you for joining us here at the database.